before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us. Be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. What difference does it make? I mean, really. Whatever. The word that is universally used to say, I don't care, doesn't make a difference. If you're very brazen, like some of my children, you'll do this along with it. Kind of like whatever, in your face. (laughs) Kind of a thing. Those who feign indifference pretend they don't care. You wouldn't say that after hearing taps, though, would you? When we associate taps, the song that we just heard, beautifully played on the trumpet, we um, associate it with the end of something. It's over. It's done. And you're usually not saying whatever when something is finished. I used to play it uh, at the end of the day at Boy Scout camp. Not that beautifully, by the way, but uh, I tried. We often think of a funeral when we think of taps. I do. I hear it and I immediately think of all of those that I have loved in my lifetime who are no longer here. All of those who had an impact on my life, those I loved and still love. And it makes me sad because there's something in me that wants to hold on to all of those people. And so I hear taps, and the last thing that I would do is say whatever. The Romans had a saying that they would put carved in stone on their tombstones. It was seven letters that represented the words that mean, I was not, I was. I am not, I care not. (laughs) I could see someone saying that about themselves but I don't see someone saying that about someone that they love. She was not, she was, she is not, I care not. It fills me with dread, as I said, when I hear those notes. Fear, in many ways, because I know that many of those I love who I still see, someday I will see no more. And I fear that. I fear that more than anything. There's a B movie 
so you've probably never seen it, and you, I'm not recommending it necessarily, right? But uh, Sean Connery and Richard Gere are in this movie. It was called The First Night. And Sean Connery says in his way to this brave, you know, studly knight, um, have you ever been afraid? To which the knight said, of course, as you would expect him, no. And he said, then you have never loved. To know love is to fear. In Wagner's Ring Cycle, Sigrid, Siegfried the Innocent, he knew neither love nor fear. Another of those brazen strong men, right? Fought off Fafner the dragon, and then a bird led him to the top of the mountain. And he sees Brunhilde there, and looking upon her beauty, and she is still asleep, and looking at her, even in sleep, he begins to tremble. And he kisses her to life. And in that instant, he knows the meaning of fear. Wanting to hold on to something, wanting to protect it with everything that he has. And we have all had this sense of an ending or been at the end of something in our lives where we have been filled with dread or fear fear of what might become. And we talked about this yesterday. Maybe it's a fear for us that it might just be too late in some way. For us, for the world, whatever it is. And that too fills us with dread or with fear. And I feel that. When I'm going to talk about several of the gospel lessons, not just the lesson from Luke that we read today. I'm going to talk about John and Mark too. We kind of conflate them in our minds anyway. So, um, so I'm going to do a little bit of that today. But in all of the gospel lessons about this moment of finding the tomb empty, I feel just this sense of fear and panic, don't you? If, in John's gospel, you know, the last thing that, that Mary Magdalene does when she shows up at the tomb, right? And it's the women who discover this, and then the women who go and tell. So the women were the first missionaries and apostles, really, in the early church. So let's just get that set on the record today. So Mary Magdalene, the first thing that she did wasn't, oh, hallelujah, he is risen. See, he told us this was going to happen. I told you, you know, high fives around the tomb. No, no, that was not happening. In, in John's gospel, she says, and I just feel it in my bones that she's saying it with this panicked voice. They have taken my Lord away out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. You can feel her despair. I mean, this isn't right. We've got to prepare his body. That's what we do. That's respectful. And he's not here. Do you know what happened to him? Where is he? And in John's Gospel, Jesus, who she mistook for someone else, calls her name, and in that moment, she recognizes him. And in that word, her name, not just all of the love that was restored, but the love was already reaching out to her from the other side. And Jesus, this day, speaks your name. Can you hear it? Even in the midst of your dread for this world, for yourself, for your loved ones, he speaks your name today. You, me, we are loved eternally. 
And in so loving us, Jesus gives himself to us, and he gives us back to one another. The resurrected Lord, what he said was true. He is alive, and new life is flourishing, pushing through what was dead. The parents walked in to a nursery and saw the little boy by his sister's crib standing on his tiptoes looking at her. And he said, tell me about heaven. I am beginning to forget. If love should count you worthy, who taught you to fear death? The world? Life? If I were to lose him or her, I don't know what I would do. And we know why we hate death. It is because we are afraid and we care. Because the casualty rate for this earth is 100%. And the flowers that we see around us, the lilies, they're memorial flowers. The people that you are sitting with this day, there is someone who has lost a sister or a mother or a father and remembers the chair that still retains the shape. The man who carried his daughter who died in his arms. When we can't hold, we remember Maurice Boyd said, we need Easter because we love each other. We have Easter because God loves us. In Mark's gospel, they tell Mary Magdalene and the others, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. Galilee, it was their home. It was where they met him. It is where they ministered. It was where they lived. It was where they feared and experienced joy and pain and everything else. Yes, they would go out and they would tell all the world. But first, they would go back to Galilee. They would go back home. Where was he? And what on earth does any of this have to do with us? Let's just sing some hymns and go and have some champagne, right? Would this guy please shut up? What difference does it make? Because Jesus is bringing life, always bringing life, always giving grace, always meeting us where we are, even in the midst of death, so that we may live as if death were no more. And that is a powerful way to live if you really embrace it and really live into it. So when you leave here today, you are going back from whence you came, probably to your house, maybe to Momo's, I don't know, right? Somewhere you're going. It's your Galilee. It's where you are. It's where you live. Do not look for him here. He has gone back to Galilee, and he waits for you there. Right? He has gone back to North Ride, and he has gone back to wherever your street is, and he is waiting for you there. There, the resurrected Lord to bring new life into your life. That's what difference it makes. And I don't know about your home. 
It, it may be wonderful. It may be picture perfect. But it just might not be. Maybe you're going back to something that's smoldering. Right? Maybe you're going back to anger or to anxiety or depression. Maybe you're going back to a problem at work that you can't solve. A deep scar of unfinished business. Maybe you're going back to a crisis or looking for another place to land. Maybe you're looking for a new home. The good news is that Galilee is wherever you are. And the risen Lord goes before you, his provenient grace paving the way, and he already waits with open arms wherever you are going, wherever you find yourself. Grace, grace always meets us where we are. Whether you're on top, whether you're on the bottom, whether it's darkness, whether it is light. Wow, that is hope. Regardless of our home, God is there, working resurrection. Jesus breaks through our grief, and he comes to us in our disappointment, and he reassures us in our fears. He forgives us in our guilt. You are living in Galilee. That is the place of your joy, but it is also the place of your hurt, your doubt, and your judgment. No rupture, no widowhood, no lost love, no unfulfilled love, no child that you have loved is ever finally separated because we go on to perfect love in the bosom of God who resurrects us. In June of 1965, Winston Churchill at his funeral had taps played at the end. It's fitting, isn't it? It's what you expect. That in the 23rd Psalm, probably. And here were the sounds that signal that the day was over and something was ending. But then a dramatic twist came. You see, just as taps ended at one side of the cathedral, at the other side of the cathedral, a trumpet began to sound the notes of Reveille. It's time to get up, it's time to get up, it's time to get up in the morning. Here was his testimony. Here is our testimony. Here is the testimony of Easter that we see with Easter eyes. Even in darkness, we see with eyes of resurrection. Even in despair, we see with eyes that are infused with hope. His testimony that the last word in this world, the last word is going to be a word not of death, not of ending, but a word of life and hope and beginning. And we can get to the same place. And can't you hear it? Jesus is calling your name, my name, right now. What difference does it make? It makes all the difference in the world. For it is the difference between despair and hope. It is the difference between death and life.
Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.